And a one, and a two, and a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Welcome to House of Strauss. Welcome to Industry Talk. Welcome to a conversation between myself and the one, the only, Ryan Glassfiegel, the New York Post. How you doing, Ryan? I'm doing well. How are you, Ethan? I am well. And I am well despite how we are going to have to obviously touch on a topic that is uh, not so great. Um, it's impossible to avoid. Usually... When it comes to some of these cultural, political uh, aspects that seep over into sports, I like to put it at the maybe the end of the show. But at, at this point, Ryan, it feels kind of unavoidable. Yes, it feels like it's it's everywhere. Yeah, um, I mean, it's the only thing that people are discussing. But it's like I feel uncomfortable talking about it because I'm in one of those states now that it's like been happening like relentlessly in our feeds and on tv etc for like 30 plus hours and i've now like reached a point where like i see somebody getting emotional about it and i'm just like i don't want to hear from you about this just because you have a microphone but now here we are yeah um talking about it as well yeah david foster wallace once wrote and i'm paraphrasing it's difficult to feel what you should be feeling when you feel like somebody's manipulating you into feeling it. Um, and I've thought a lot about that because it seems like in the attention economy, uh, well, okay. So obviously we're referring to the shooting in, in Texas of the elementary school, uh, horrific. And when I say it's unimaginable, I literally mean that. I think if I sat down to try to fathom it, I couldn't just the, just how t- terrible it is. At the same time, this thing happens when something becomes, as Mark Andreessen calls it, the current thing, where you've got this combination of people reacting genuinely to it, and you've got a bunch of people using it to social advantage, to political advantage, and it's hard not to become cynical when you On start both to... sides, by the way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Which I want to get into, actually. You know, this kind of... Uh, this idea of one side. Actually, you know what? We'll, we'll start with this. We'll start with this. Um, Stephen A. Smith said something that I liked. And I know it sounds weird to cite him among the sports voices here that as somebody with some wisdom, right? But I think Stephen A. Smith is a pragmatist at heart. And I don't endorse everything he ever says. But sometimes... Here's the thing about Stephen A. Smith. Yeah. He hasn't lost touch with the common person, there are a lot of people who become big in the sports media business. And I'm sure this is true in every business is people, you know, garner immense success and they can wall themselves off from the proletariat. But like Stephen A. Smith is somebody who is like among the people and hears from them and engages with them. And so he's not in um, this kind of like fortified castle speaking down to everybody. Yeah, and maybe he has maintained that by literally never leaving the office. And that's the bubble in a way that has never allowed him to get too big ahead because the man works 18 hours a day. Um, He was responding in part to Steve Kerr's very emotional uh, press conference before the Mavericks-Warriors playoff game where Kerr was assailing the 50 senators, the Republican senators, and Mitch McConnell. And Stephen A., I'm just reading one of the quotes, if I'm Steve Kerr, don't name just one name and don't name just one side. It's every single one of them. They have sold out America because they don't get things done. I mean, I'm not saying that that's the most nuanced take and there's a whole lot there. Uh, there's a whole lot to this issue. And frankly, none of it is being discussed. It's uh, kind of uh, this uniformity of opinion in any sort of prestigious media place. But I like that because I think that there's there's a wisdom there. Obviously, on the gun issue, Republicans are more, uh, you know, they're more against gun control and they're not as open to it. But if you're going to get any broad based change, I don't think you get that by blaming one side. I don't think you get it that way. I just don't think it's a good process. I understand it in a moment of, uh, you know, of hurt and pain and everything else. But it just to me, it doesn't seem like a way to solve the problem. And as I, it's as not, I and of, the problem isn't just guns. It goes much deeper than exactly. that. Although the guns are the mechanism for the problem. Everybody yeah. who says this doesn't happen anywhere else, absolutely right. You're, I mean, it does happen in other places, but it doesn't happen yeah. in other like allegedly sophisticated places. Yeah. Um, I get that all that. That's totally true, and that's right. And that means that, like, as we pride ourselves as a democracy, it means we've collectively failed there. Um, yeah, I, that's I, totally I, true. 
Yeah. And, you know, the conversation about it, it's it's so strange. It's almost paradoxical because it's utter conformity, but at the same time, utterly schizophrenic. Because a lot of what I'm getting from people in sports media is this combination of uh, nothing will be done and something needs to be done. Something must be done, but nothing will be done. But something has to happen right now. But nothing can happen because America sucks. You know, that's kind of the weird tone of it. I guess I'm just more optimistic, Ryan. I feel like there, any situation, you can't necessarily solve it, but you can make it better. There's a theoretical way to pass some sort of bill that can help or to move the culture in some sort of way. And so in a strange, just in a strange way, I feel less defeatist on this issue um, in the specific than a lot of the people who are most moved by it, which I find very strange. And um, I mean, so the Democrats, like, you you know, they've had times where they had the presidency and both like houses of Congress and could have, if they were able to like get their party, like really in line, could have rammed something on this through and made a decision not to. And so even though the Republicans are standing in their way, like when the Republicans have these like universal majorities, they're able to ram through what they want and Democrats weren't here. Um, But I, I really want to get like to the root of it. And so I think that it's, it's these young men, like we're, we're a society of haves and haves nots and the have nots um, who I think oftentimes like badly want to be, having sex and women badly don't want to be having sex with them. They retreat into these like online hives and egg each other on. And there's like a certain subset of like broken brain people who think it's like a video game to accumulate the highest kill count that get like cheered on on these like dark message boards that Mm for whatever reason, don't get infiltrated that often. And and this is obviously part of the issue. And it's something that people from the Republican side are going to say, and this will be true, that the country was more armed a generation ago, that more people had guns per capita a generation ago, and you didn't see this so much. Now, I think it's also true. You have no idea how many people have guns. I mean, they did surveys. I Look, I, I find it believable for a variety of reasons, but let, let's just say that a component of this is what you are describing. And I think a component is also the more guns you have and the easier it is to get a gun, the more likely it is to have an incident like this one, right? And it just seems as though, for whatever it, reason, it we're just... Really, it's truly, like, astonishingly ridiculous how little... Um, some localities have in terms of like background check requirements like there has to you can't it can't just be everybody no matter what can buy one of these rapid execution machines like we really I, I, I first of all like if it were up to me and i could like be the dictator i would ban them <laughs> entirely but i i'm not and i can't but yeah um, if, if I was starting from scratch, if I was starting a country from scratch, um, I, I think I would probably be there. But there has got to be this this realism to the idea that there are, you know, by whatever estimate, 300 to 400 billion guns in the country. You're not going to wave a magic wand. Uh, this is not an and easy it's going to require just like, you know, <laughs> we talk about the uh, mass incarceration. Imagine if we take away guns. And then yeah. are severely punitive to everybody who keeps them. What that's going to do to like family structures, well, companies, it, like that—that's this whole other crazy aspect. And I apologize to anybody listening to this thinking that we're going to just talk talk sports. There is, I think, a liberal fantasy when it comes to this because they consume their own media that they are under this delusion that the incel loser is the only person who's going to be impacted by strict gun control. They don't get that it's going to be Plaxico Burris accidentally shooting himself in the ass and having some draconian punishment because he lives in the state of New York. They just think it's going to be a few incels and redneck Bubba who in their minds account for like 70% of all gun crime. Like they don't, 
I, I don't think there's a lot of really gaming it out and thinking about what gun control would actually mean in, in reality. And I think there's this broader issue right now, which is that, God, this is going to sound so glib, but I feel like Tiger King, ladies and gentlemen, is the greatest explanation of our current political situation, uh, of, of anything else I can think of. A seminal work, Tiger King. And you, uh, for all those who, who don't remember what the early days of the pandemic are or were, uh, you had these people, these crazy independent zookeepers, and they all hated each other. And they were very cogent when describing what they hated about the other person they had profound insights into their enemies and no self-awareness did not have any self-awareness about their own flaws and could not see how they appeared to the broader public and that is i think one of the reasons why tiger king was so captivating and i feel like i see that play out again and again in this social media mediated world where you're just on this feedback loop getting your own team's messaging uh and your own talking points you know i'm watching well no people actually like they're not just you know people aren't getting just their own side they're getting the extreme of the other side framed for them pre like which i mean granted even if you go in blind which which is not on they're gonna say but you're getting the like yeah. most extreme takes on both sides curated in your face, which is not unlike the methed out experience probably of a Joe exotic. Um, but you know, Sam, Sam Ponder, for instance, had a, a wrong think tweet. And it reminded me of this where, uh, was it wrong? You know, she think? said, Did she uh, take it down or apologize or something. I, I don't know. I just know that it's very much not the current thing to say it. That's all I know. I, I didn't really follow up. Read, I took read it. Or do you want yeah. me to read it? Well, you said it. You all read it. Like, I'm so sick of the cheap. If you actually care. This is Sam Ponder speaking, yes. by the way. Host of NFL Countdown. She's a big yeah. star at ESPN. Like, the, this yeah. is not. Um, I mean, she. I don't know. She's in the like, top 15 or 20 on their depth chart. Yeah. Um, I'm so sick of the cheap. If you actually care, then vote for this person response. Have we not realized that this is happening in New York City, in Chicago, in D.C., where we have strict gun laws and in Florida and in Texas where we don't? Can we be honest enough to admit that we don't know what to do? Can we be humble enough to say we're scared and not sure what will actually solve the problem? Can we get together our best and brightest to come up with, and I'm guessing it's going to be solution, but I don't actually see uh, where the tweet goes. Um, Expand but yeah, the, the image on the text. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, I know. It's Talking extemporaneously, it's difficult. I think the general gist has been absorbed, though. Um, and then she talks, as you're talking about our young men. Can we admit that our young men are really struggling to find purpose and meaning in ways we don't fully understand? Why are we also sure that the other side is the problem instead of using our pain to come together? For the sake of our actual children, God help us. I mean, I think that I I think that there's a lot there, but I think that there's also this other aspect of um, liberal people have a point that the Republicans and the people who uh, like guns and how they stand up against any ounce of a background check. It's ridiculous on their part. It's heinous and 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 they deserve all the scorn they get for it. Yes, they have a point that more availability leads to more of these situations. Now, somebody could say, hey, uh, that is the cost of freedom or whatever, but they don't often make that argument. It's just, you know, it's, it's not so. And I think it's, it's plainly fairly so. But I think what liberal people don't understand, like somebody in Tiger King, is that they've lost so much standing. And they have no idea they've lost so much standing. What she's talking about is something people are feeling. They're looking at these people in these blue areas moralizing to them and having this projected piety. By the way, in you live si- in, in areas that are not free of violence or yes. violent crime or gun crime. Yes. Like, yes. You know, we both live in places where it's skyrocketed I've... the last several years. You know, Democrat mayor, Democrat senators, Bro, Democrat governor. I've I've seen multiple people get shot. Like I've seen it. <laughs> like it, it's something that happens, you know, in in California, in the Bay Area. Um, you know, I was about to go to a Warriors game once for work. Two o'clock in the afternoon, guy up the street, couple houses. You hear the rat a tat tat. Uh, killed right in front of his house. Uh, middle of the day, you know. That's Oakland. That's what happens. And 
you know, it's it's difficult when that situation gets out of control, as it has in so many of our cities, to then have this complete certainty and this um, this kind of blanket message of we know what we're doing. You're the problem. You're the idiot. Uh, it's all so obvious. Well, if it was so obvious, don't even had to go to the places that we're talking about need to be fixed. No, no, it's just. And so I think that there's this ability to see one's own loss of standing over the last 10 years. And I think that's a very recent it's a it's a it's a it's actually a pretty recent phenomenon, too, that I don't think there's any awareness of. And I guess I will close up my thoughts on this whole thing with with this. I I think that you would get further in some of these conversations if there was an admission uh, of like, hey, my side's got this issue. Your side's got that issue. Let's come together. We've got a broad problem here. We've got a broad issue here. And we need to give it, it people... immediately becomes finger pointing at individual yes. politicians and just um unhelpful i get the anger that we we're 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 parents the the, it is as you said unimaginable to have like our kid we care about more than ourselves like we um it's the type of thing that you, you that you think about and even if the stats are what the stats are you're gonna think about it now i guess before we totally get off this topic and if somebody wants to call in they can call in about it but what do you make of how stigmatized it is to try to respond to what you're saying and say well the numbers are actually this or as matt iglesias got piled on for saying that america is still a pretty great place um what do you what do you make of that? I find that kind of I don't remember things being like that when yeah, there was Brent, a Brent thing. Selleck said this could be solved if people were better parents, and uh, that's true. It is like you have to. Uh, I mean, I guess like you know, it's really difficult, but the um you you re- you read about this kid today's his family and i we don't want to say his name because we don't want to no. give him like fame and notoriety but you you read about his family life and i say that like i say don't say his name as i click on everything to learn of, all about him but the like it, you read about his family life and was not um uh, painted as like a stable picture and so I it, it's just it's, we we've got a we we had a, I think we had a real breakdown in the family structure over well, the last generation um as like harder I, drugs I, became more and more prevalent in society I, I and then there's with, been a I agree with you I agree with you but I'm Jewishly interrupting you because I'm I'm narrowing down on this on this kind of media aspect of like why is it so taboo to try to contextualize it and not freak people out to the maximum degree. I'm talking about how uh, Timothy Lee, uh, uh, you know, the economist uh, who's been at the Washington Post and Vox, everybody was piling on and enraged at him. Seemingly everybody on Twitter, that doesn't mean everybody in the world, but he says every child's death is a tragedy and I'm in favor of stricter gun regulations. But for the sake of everyone's mental health, we should remember that there are more than 50 million K through 12 school children in the U S dying in a mass school shooting is literally less than a one in a million danger to which, and I could just, I could take so many responses to this, but I'm just looking at one in particular because I think Keith Smith, MBA salary cap guy writers known to be a nice guy. uh, But he says, what in the ever loving fuck? Tell that to the parents who lost children yesterday or earlier this year or last year or any time over the last 20 plus years that this has become a major issue. I'm sure your math will comfort them. And that's kind of the response. And I'm just like, I don't remember that being a thing until recently where it was so stigmatized. Yeah, I'd say 2015 is the line of demarcation. Yeah, it's like I I get like Trump why going down that the response, elevator yeah. uh, the world changed forever. The other thing, uh, <laughs> yeah. I want escalator, not the elevator, but everyone knows what I'm talking about. The, yes, yes. The, the other thing that uh, needs to be more discussed, and Andrew Yang has covered this on a couple occasions, but the divergence between girls and boys, nobody like seems to be concerned about it, and. This is a pretty direct byproduct of it. Like the, these yeah. violent loner have not boys who are not uh, making it to high school graduation. And 
to to say nothing of lots of like other achievements. Like we we've been hammered at home that there's like this um, unacceptable income gap between men and women, and I that I I'm all for like I'm not for inequality, but they're like the the people who get up in arms about that have no um, complaints about the male-female achievement gap in, yeah. um, between, like, in schools and in early careers that's happening now. It's The pendulum has swung very far in the other direction, and there's not a lot of concern about it. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm reminded of, uh, what's the quote that you've got to bring the young, the young man into the village or he'll burn it down to feel its warmth? Um, something like that, where it just seems like, you know, it just, it just seems like this is obviously part of the problem and any aspect of the problem, there's something weird about the attention economy, where if you bring up an aspect of the problem, people think that you're denying their aspect. No, it's a, it's a confluence. We went, you know, or that you're like sympathizing with a boy who goes on a killing rampage. We're not, we're not like trying, we're, we're, you have to try and figure out what the inputs are into this equation in order to solve it. Yeah. And for some reason, it just seems like, you know, it just seems like, uh, one second. Uh, should we take the call in a sec? Oh, he uh, young up. Yeah. Um, anyway. Um, so anyway, uh, yes, it just seems like there's this weird aspect where people feel threatened that the aspect of the conversation or the causation that they don't like is going to become the dominant one. They need to fight against it. And again, not to make any glib comparisons, but it reminds me of TV ratings, Ryan, where you and I were saying repeatedly, it's, you know, it's one, two, three, and four. And yet there are people just so invested in saying that it's only one causation or only one thing. Yes. The current thing. Um, the, the current. Does, the, do we do we want do we have any calls on it? If we don't, we can pivot. Um, yeah, we can. I, pivot. People are probably ta- like they're they're probably ready for a break on this. So it might be. I mean, I'm optimistic. I feel like again that this is a conversation at least that they can't get a lot of in the sports media space. You know, it, like yeah, it's, it's basically dominant messaging something must be done is um um without a lot of nuance and a lot of blame uh or clay travis where i don't think i you know there is a weird thing with him going at steve kerr uh that i didn't agree with and maybe this is the last thing we'll we'll uh approach before moving on but he was saying that it was hypocritical for kerr to have campaigned against having armed officers in oakland schools and then speak out on the issue and be anti-gun here. I actually disagree with with Kerr's campaign to do that. I thought he was wrong for that campaign. I thought he was well-intentioned, but I don't see the hypocrisy necessarily. Am I missing something, Ryan? Um, well, I, I think the fact that I think Clay is equating being wrong um, and, and showing no humility about it with not having credibility to speak on the issue at all that's what i think he would say yeah i i guess i mean it's funny just because i thought that steve was well-intentioned but that was an issue where the sros as they're called they were about to do it in the berkeley school system in their high school at berkeley high and they did a survey and it turned out that having the officer there was incredibly popular with not only the parents but the kids and it was one of those things where the activist position wasn't actually in line with what people wanted. And obviously in the Oakland schools, if you're at, you know, McClyman's or your skyline, things happen. And it's good to have an officer sometimes around when things happen, because it's not a, an entirely unviolent situation versus a situation where you're waiting 20 minutes to get somebody to come intervene. So I thought he was wrong for that campaign, but I didn't, I didn't necessarily think that Clay's, point uh was entirely cogent because of steve's anti-gun i think he's just anti-gun and in all kinds of settings but let's but it, it was yeah. I, I he was taking it as a whole avatar of defund and i'm i don't know i haven't spoken to yeah. him in a very long time but um i i think i assume he was taking kerr 
um, point there as a whole avatar for defund the police, which in Clay's mind would give, like, if you if you were loud about defund the police, Clay would say, you have no credibility well, for tackling gun violence. That would be his... Um, that, I think that point is more of a legitimate point, and it's, I mean, that's this whole other aspect. Again, the Tiger King phenomenon where people don't want to admit. The people who want control these days... I think are a lot of the people who were egging on the erosion of the police's uh, monopoly on violence, which saw just 40 million people buy guns between 2020 and 2021 as there were riots and crime skyrocketed. So that's a contribution to the problem they decry. And it also creates new gun owners who then are voters who are not going to vote to take guns away so you know that's that's the whole thing we're not even talking about here which is that swing voters love guns and that is the uh, the main stumbling block but let's take a question from yasarian or a comment i should say make him the next caller it's a heavy episode yasarian hey guys yeah hey yes it is it is a heavy episode and um it ties into actually um a couple weeks ago i had a work event um and, uh, you know, I was having dinner and drinks with some of my coworkers and we started talking about some of the culture war stuff. Right. And I, oh you know, my. there, we live in Ooh. the Bay area and we're all, we're all liberal to one degree or another, but you know, I was the serving as the turd in the punch bowl, right? <laughs> talking about these things. Yeah. And after that, it's the worst when you get cornered into one of these where like, we're voicing the opinions like we are now, like you know, calmly, unemotionally, but it, the, <laughs> the, the, the other side is just convinced we're totally wrong. And... I literally do this uh, all the time at, at my local coffee shop with the old uh, old liberal boomers. I, I, I think it keeps them fresh. I think it's good. But yes, you were saying, Yasarian. Yeah, so, but it was like, the next day as I was driving home, it was just like, I... I'm I'm just tired. I'm just tired of the culture wars. I went and I I canceled all my sub stacks. I'm like I spent so much. How time dare you? Know, right? I know, but it was How like. How dare you? I had like nine subscriptions, and it's like I'm reading all this stuff all the time, and it's good. Like you're you're a great writer. Jesse Singles a great writer. Barry Weiss and and the crew that she has are great writers. Andrew Sullivan's a great writer, but it's like. I was, you know, my, my number one rule is like, don't let yourself become deranged by the deranged mm. and you just start feeling yourself slipping down into it. And then it was like, you know, and so I was the guy talking about, well, you know, what about Roland Fryer's study and what about Tony Timpa? Right. Yeah. And then of course it was like the next day there was that, the, the horrific shooting in Buffalo and it's like, man. And now <laughs> of course, sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, I, I don't want to laugh at something that grim, but it is that kind of thing where you're, you get you get involved in an argument that is unwinnable, where you're not going to change anybody's mind. And there is a futility and a Sisyphean aspect of it. I'm laughing because I recognize it in my own life, is, is yeah. what I'm saying. It's not yeah. the actual thing you're referencing that's making me laugh. No, I understand. And then, you know, talking about this horrific event down in Texas and just the, you know, the 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 complete unwillingness of people to be honest about it, you know, yes. I mean, the right, the, what, if the right wing would come out and say, and look, I'm, I'm a gun owner. All right. But if it were up to me, guns would be limited to, to six shot revolvers and long guns with fixed magazines with three rounds. That's it. None of this AR 15 shit. None of these semi autos with 20 round magazines. But anyway, um, if the right would just come out and say, you know what, this is we're 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 willing to live with this. This is the cost of of yeah. Our that would freedom. be more intellectually honest, yes. Right, but they but they won't come out and say that. And then the left won't come out and say. I mean, neither will come out and say, you know, starting in the eighties and then accelerating the nineties, we shipped all of our blue collar jobs offshore. Um, you know, or I think the, the analog on the left would be decarceration causes crime, like sure. letting people easily procure guns leads to more mass shootings and letting a lot of people out of prison leads to more smaller scale shootings and, this sure. and, not, and the, the, not prosecuting them in the first place well, right. yes that as well 
or that like the absence of fathers in young men's lives is no big deal, right? That a single yeah. mom is just as good as a two two family household. The the left's unwillingness to to be willing to say some things are better than other things, and unfortunately, that conveys you know a level of judgment that a lot of people on the left just aren't willing to face. But it was like both sides, you know, making giving China most favored nation trading status was bipartisan, right? The Sackler the Sackler family is is in essence, you know, to me, like Pablo Escobar, they're, they're a freaking yeah. drug cartel that, that immiserated, that addicted and immiserated millions of their fellow citizens. And they still get to be way more than millions, like millions undersells it. it. Yeah. It's, it's insane how big of a problem we have and are going to have for the foreseeable future. Plus the, like um, the I, fentanyl, like just letting that all in the country. Yeah, I just feel like Yasserian is is defunding our Substacks because he's reading Sam Quinones based on what he's saying. Continue, <laughs> sir. Well, it's it's what you know. I'm a parent of of two teenagers, and I look at, at what's going to happen, and I I admire you for for being optimistic. I mean, one of my favorite writers and thinkers right now is Jonathan Haidt, and he's now saying he he thinks some serious crack up is coming in the next thirty years. And that's oh, like, I'm I'm not necessarily optimistic when it comes to predictions. I'm just optimistic in the term in the idea that you can always do something. Something I would try to impart to my son is that no matter what the situation is, there's always a best path forward within that context, right? Um, that's, that's how I view it. And I just don't like how the people most animated are taking this approach of doomerism because then it's to what you're saying, then why are you bothering me about it? You know, if this well, is, no, that's, if, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. cynicism. It's, it's, we are, we're, our, our civilization is just shot through with cynicism and somebody was pointing out like that, that the most consequential politician of his generation is, um, is Mitch McConnell. Mm. And it was like, and what does that say about us? I mean, it's probably true. And Mitch McConnell is someone by all accounts who has no fixed principles. He was a liberal Republican when that, when that was in vogue, he was, you know, a, a obstructionist conservative when that was, you know, popular amongst his base in, in Obama. And then he became more or less endorsed the MAGAites, you know, with Trump. And it's like, he is, you know, they, they wrote a, somebody wrote a biography of him called the cynic. Mm. And that's just, I don't know, the inability to, of people to confront the truth and to, and to have fucking principles that it's like free speech. Yes. Free speech means that people who you don't like are going to say things that you don't like. Unacceptable. Right? Just like, system, just, just like unsubscribing from my Substack is unacceptable. But you were saying, <laughs> having, having a legal system in which, and a political system in which sometimes your opponents get a victory and you lose like the, like the abortion oh. thing, right? Sometimes you are going to lose. And if you're not, if, if we as a civilization are going to say that we're not willing to accept it and we're going to have to have victory by any means necessary, then the whole fucking thing is going to come apart. Yeah. We're there. There is the bit. I don't know why this fantasy is so pervasive that, if the side you don't like just gets shut out of power, then all the problems get solved. I mean, I'm, it's just not, that's just not how things are going to go and nobody's out of power forever. And yeah, it's, it's frustrating. I, I am a pessimist as far as making predictions. I am not a pessimist in terms of your general approach and how you go about things. You need to, you need to kind of, in a weird way, and this is true on the micro level, life might not be fair, but you need to act like it is, you know, <laughs> you yep. need to work hard and do everything right in a just in case, I think. So, um, but yes, very good thoughts, Yusarian. Ryan, do you have any follow-ups or do we, do we switch the sillier topics or what? Um, do we want to hear from that guy who's mad at you? The guy who's mad at me, who's mad at me? He's someone's tweeting. He he was a caller and we didn't call on him fast enough. And he's tweeting that you're scared to take calls on your show. Tweet at him that he should try. I wasn't even aware that we were being tweeted. I just kind of thought he was a troll. So I banned. So I banned him. Let's let's see if we can reinstate this guy. Uh... So I I want to hear someone push back. Okay, tell him to try again. Tell him to try again. We'll get him in. 
Um, do we want to pivot and then come back when he when he comes back to it? I guess we uh, can pivot. All right. I mean, so, um, what? Let I'll go dealer's pick. I'll give you like several topics. Um, Mark Cuban doesn't like the play-in, which is a very unpopular opinion on his part. Uh, mm. Although, no, well, he, that's mischaracterizing it. He thinks the play-in is a bad idea because of the the injuries like it piled up in these playoffs. Um, that's one. Um, two is the people, I guess this goes a little bit hand-in-hand hand with what we've been talking about, but people who are gleeful about like Sage Steele getting hit in the face with a golf ball or Naomi Osaka threatening, Naomi Osaka <laughs> threatening to skip Wimbledon loses in the first round at the French Open. <laughs> gives like a very, she she looks very uncomfortable in her press conference. Feels to like what she said, yeah, that you texted me that like that the, the Osaka situation feels like it happened five years ago on a different planet. It's just things move so quickly. I mean, I think the the quick thing is okay. Okay, uh, we got we got here. Andrew. We got Let's call. call him up. Let's call him up. Okay. Uh, so if 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 you guys want to text in the chat. Which topics of those you guys want us to tackle? Go for it, please. Andrew, how are you, sir? Hey, hello. How you doing, Ethan and Ryan? I appreciate you, um, Ryan, for um, mentioning that because um, the comment I said earlier was not um, deeming to be troll at all and just was responding towards how this whole entire climate of people responding aggressively on social media, you know, predated even before um, um, Donald Trump, or as I call him, Donald Dump. Um, okay, well, I agree yeah. with that. I actually have no issue with the comment. I just have a memory mm-hmm. of you as a tweeter kind of trolling me. And to be fair, I should have let you on the chat anyway. And I apologize. I should have let, well, I should have taken the call. Well, I appreciate it. And I just was wondering because, you know, I had requested to talk in earlier and like my call got disconnected there. So I was wondering. Uh, you're on. What, what, like um, what do you have to say? What do you have to say? Let's hear it. Well, basically, I just feel that this is centered around a lot of um, white neutrality over approaches and not wanting to discuss the problems of um, white privilege in society and the, in the general. The shooter this week wasn't white, though. It, no, I don't. Ryan, hold on, Ryan. I'm not finished. I didn't right. say this broadly speaking. Right. What you mentioned in Buffalo, but in regards to our obsession towards guns in this country and obsession towards Second Amendment. Um, it's still predominantly an issue that is centered around uh, white society wanting to have guns and wanting to prioritize that, at least in a way of prioritizing a Second Amendment. And now that's a fundamental problem of many extremist problems um, that we've had in this country and how there's also double standards towards that in regards to um, um, gun advocacy in terms of towards even certain communities that are non-white that may have an issue in regards to um, economic inequality and inequity. So I think it's really important to have these civil discussions with that where no one is trying to necessarily demonize the other, but also mention the facts and the reality of the situation and not feel that mentioning facts and reality is making someone uncomfortable over that approach, particularly with this being the two year anniversary of George Floyd's you know, tragic you know, death um, in this whole country. I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying to kind of do the best interpretation of what you're saying. I, I mean, I think we could probably look at survey data. It would probably say that uh, maybe white people on average would be less into gun control. I mean, that's the most charitable way I could probably view this. I mean, I, I, I'm, I haven't looked at that kind of survey data. That might be true. That might be part of the conversation. I just don't know what this solves. If we're saying that this is a problem with white people, I don't know what that solves in terms well, of what say, law I we're going to didn't, I didn't say that specifically. I said in regards to an American culture that centers around the NRA, that centers around the Second Amendment, and how that is still a thing that is fundamentally um, an approach that many people still take, and predominantly with it, conservatives and Republicans mostly being white and continuing to champion the NRA and gun culture and our extremist gun behavior that's happened 
you know, before Donald Trump has become president, is something where you have those aggressive responses. As you were mentioning with the tweets earlier, are those people who are detached um, in regards to mentioning, of course, that you rarely see mass shootings in public schools or in any type of schools, but, you know, wouldn't have that same neutral reaction if they, if their children or their friend's children, unfortunately, suffered a tragic death. And that's the thing. It's in regards to either the apathy, apathy or the lack of just consistent I actually think that, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I actually think that the guy who tweeted the one in a million thing, he's probably someone who, if it did happen in his direct proximity yeah. would write it off as a yes. massive anomaly like so i think it there's like but, these like heavy math people i don't think people realize how um yeah. like well, I'm a heavy how much, math person um, too I, I love my calculus and everything and my statistics but i'm also a human being too and this is not prevalent in other first world countries um, I, after I scotland did. and australia had their prominent and unfortunate shootings in 1996 they went and initiated gun control legislation towards that and haven't had these massive shootings, you know, that have occurred tragically that we being the quote unquote richest country in the world, most powerful country in the world continues to have these embarrassments happen. So um, that's something that is really relevant whenever someone tries to mention that. Well, the fact is, is that the math doesn't exist in those other countries. The math exists here. And that should be always an outrage for every American, regardless of their race or their um, economic status or their gender. I think there's something to what you're saying. I don't love everything about your approach, but I think there's something to what you're saying about how there is a cultural inheritance of the pioneering American whatever, what have you, of settling the plains, of doing it by the gun, and that being more part, you can call it American white culture, you can call it you know American ancestral culture, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. that is part of this. Uh, reluctance to uh, to give in. It's not just the fact that the the amendment exists. So, I mean, I I would agree with that. I'd say it's part of. I'd say it's part of the whole conversation. Yeah, and, and that's where you know it's the the fundamental problem of it being is that you know we we see this and still there's not enough people consistently like outraged to say enough is enough over this. Um, and that is a thing that is still going to be the case once again, um, because we'll have this shooting happen and then it will go away and we'll have another unfortunate, tragic mass shooting. So, um, it's just a level of just the, what, what do do we do other than banning assault rifles? What would you, what would you propose that Mm -hmm. Democrats and Republicans get together and do? Well, I mean, the background checks have been, it's a basic thing, and the legislation's been in place um, since Sandy Hook, and Chris Murphy has been adamant about this, and many um, Democrats, and the... But the way Chris Murphy, I don't, sorry, we we interrupt Mm -hmm. each other, Um, Chris Murphy doesn't communicate in a way that gets his adversaries to cooperate with him. Ryan, Ryan, but his adversaries are taking donations from the NRA and refuse to do this regardless of how but Chris Murphy is a very nice guy. He's not the, the Democrats all, all all of them approved like forty billion dollars for Ukraine mm-hmm. with like no oversight and but, like but, no but, debate or anything. Hold on. I, I, would, I would also hold on Ryan, but that was a bipartisan vote with Republicans agreeing towards that. That's not the case here. There's no bipartisan consensus because Republicans don't want gun control. They don't want any basic gun control. That's just a fact. Whether you as any, I, I, I disagree with the dynamics. I don't disagree with that part, but I think the dynamics to what Ryan is saying are, it's a little murkier. Which is that a lot it, of it's swing not vote. Murky, well, it's no, not no, 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 no. What I'm I saying cover, is that I cover progressive politics, and it's not murky. They just simply don't want gun control. Well, but they I'm saying the swing voters. The reason they don't want gun control, it's not the NRA. Like people yeah. say, oh, Mitt Romney got 12.5 million from the NRA. That is not a significant sum of money for like his coalition and what he can fundraise. But still significant. No, it's not. Regardless of what you're mentioning. Ryan, hold on. You're mentioning Mitt Romney, but he's not the only Republican and not every Republican is as wealthy as Mitt Romney. The fact of the matter is that many Republicans, including of course, Greg Abbott and Dan Patrick, the Lieutenant Governor of Texas, they're going to speak at the NRA um, event on Friday Despite this tragedy, they're still going to speak there. This is not just them. This is prevalent throughout the entire Republican Party. 
This is just I, a fact. I, this is like two plus two equals four. Mm, I'm mentioning I, well, fact I would, with that. I, I would say that the NRA is diminished in, in power as a lobbying group. And in terms of how many donations it gets, it's gotten a lot of scandals. I think it's mostly the voters versus the lobbying group that you have a lot of swing voters, which is one of the reasons why you're seeing Democrats on the bubble not necessarily jump at this uh, in their individual races because a lot of swing voters like guns. I mean, I think it's Mm, sometimes this is where I'm almost maybe in more agreement with you uh, or not totally in disagreement with you on some aspects of this, where I think it's a little bit easy to say, as Steve Kerr said, that it's the politician. I gotta say that harsh, like um, harsh, um, harsh gun control laws is going to affect a lot of white people, a lot of Hispanic people, mm-hmm. a lot of black people. Like well, well, it is going to put people who would not otherwise well, be incarcerated in jail. Like uh, in well, well, Ryan, you, I have to correct you on that. As someone who covers um, gun control and covers um, the racial disparities, you know, of that, you know, that's not necessarily the case. You know, with that, number one, we would have actually rational background checks to just make sure that teens like the two that we've just seen in Buffalo and Evaldi um, don't have easy access to these guns. This is after less than a year when Greg Abbott signed into law from um, the state legislator in Austin to make it easier for 18 to 20 year olds to get a permit to have a gun despite any legal training, as well as 21 year olds who have a gun uh, fully without any. Um, we, we, we're in agreement on that. Okay, but, 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 we will on, end. Can we, we, Mariah, hold on. But I was going to say, um, it's important. Andrew, I, I Andrew I, we've got another caller. Well, so you've well, got well, um, well, a final take. What's your is last there something word? we can we'll agree on word. to end the call? Well, well, I, well I think it's important to <laughs> yes. have more um, black perspectives on this in terms of not only this, but on your show as well, because it, it strengthens the diversity of your thought and opinion, you know, about these things, because that's one thing I still see prevalent in our media uh, profession. Um, outside of obviously a few networks that have the money and resources for it, but we don't still have the diversity of thought um, in regards to this, and particularly when it comes to these issues um, in a general sense with this. I mean, it would be, be great if we had someone from Involdi, Texas, or Texas who um, was Latino that was affected by this, or Latina um, affected directly by this or in that area. And, you know, it just helps the discourse and, and further tries to have that understanding of fully um, all sides on this and just to have respectful dialogue with it. But I um, appreciate thank you guys talking to me with that. Call, Andrew, we appreciate you yep, calling Jay in. Is waiting. Yep. Thank, thank you. Appreciate thank you, you for, thank you, Andrew, for calling in. And I apologize yep. for earlier. Okay. Yep. And now no we're going to, we're going to take a Canadian call, uh, you know, uh, add, you know, that measure of international diversity. JF. Yes. Yeah. So I, you know, I had a couple thoughts in this conversation of, you know, being kind of an outsider. For one, I just want to uh, counterpoint to Andrew's background check. Wasn't the Sandy Hook uh, shooter murderer, um, you know, didn't he use his mother's gun? So, you know, that type of restriction wouldn't even been you know impactful for that uh, tragedy. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. We've had enough of these. It's, yeah. I, I, I don't I know that Steve Kerr was calling for a legis a piece of legislation that would have um that would have uh, a background check. I know universal background check is the law of the land, but I don't know if that would have caught this guy. I have no idea. As far as I know, he had never committed a crime until he committed the worst crime possible. So, yeah, I, I don't know. And my, you know, kind of two thoughts on this, too, it's nothing to do with, you know, some sort of white supremacy or whatever uh, he was getting at. Um, It's really about kind of like media saturation, right, that there's this intense coverage and this hive mind around it. I guarantee every single one of these mass killers are absolutely driven by the fantasy of how they're going to be covered and yeah. become famous. So even if we don't mention their name, you know, any kind of, uh, you know, relevance, you know, there's going to be an intense media uh, coverage of the incident overall. Right. So that's yeah. just feeding into, uh, you know, the next shooter. Well, it's just one of those diffusion of responsibility issues where nobody has ownership of the scale of anything, which is 
a problem with the internet in so many other ways, which is nobody is responsible for the scale of anything that happens and things just get scaled up. And I think if maybe we were in the 1990s, uh, we could impose some sort of rule on the television networks that dominated what all coverage was. Um, but you can't do that now. It's just everything is everywhere and it just seems Tied. impossible. Disaster. But uh, is, is, now I'm being a pessimist, but yeah. But is that true? Because I, I remember there was, um, you know, several copycat shootings after the Columbine uh, massacre. And, you know, there was, um, you know, kind of a, a media blackout on those uh, murders. You know, like, why, why can't they apply that now? Um, and, and we've seen, you know, platforms like Twitter and uh, I, Facebook censor other uh, events. So, uh, yeah, this is a stretch. What if you know, they- it would be fascinating if they censored um, like mass killers names. But like the the thing is, is I work in the news business and I see what people click on all day, not just what I write, but everything at the entire paper. And there's voracious appetite among the public to be informed about this stuff. And so it, it's um, it, it it's a, it's like it, it's a terrible conundrum that like everybody is in together and i don't know it, i'm i'm so uncomfortable with like any form of censorship yeah. uh it's such a um this is a really tricky one for me but it's a very interesting point and yeah. it, it is you know and that's dr- driven by kind of the current thing a phenomenon that mark and Reeson, you know was uh you know writing about you know, obsessively almost until he stopped tweeting. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, maybe somebody can look into exactly why he stopped suddenly. Um, but there's one other thing that Andrew mentioned at the end there, diversity of thought, uh, which is, you know, a great ideal, but it, it's too often inflated, which what he was getting at, which is just kind of this demographic, you know, census box checking uh, as a, you know, a way of, you know, yeah saying that it's a diversity of thought when it's really not it's, it's very surface yeah well i mean a lot of what's happening is is very surface uh, out there in the culture uh sadly except except here except here jf where we try to have deeper conversations if we can and i would like to continue with you yeah. but we've got two other callers i gotta skip ahead thanks so much for calling let's go with john john with the glasses with the glasses avatar john are you there Hey guys. Hey. Um, so I was wondering if it's okay if I talk about something very stupid. Yes, oh, please. For God's sake, yes, please. Okay, great. Because I've been wanting to talk about this. I have a half baked idea to fix Love it. the tactical foul in the NBA. Okay, yeah. go. Because the fast break dunk is the most exciting play in sports, and we need that back. So, my half baked idea is to get rid of foul counting. Get rid of tackle fouls. I mean, technical fouls. Get rid of flagrant fouls. We're going to implement the yellow card, red card system from soccer. So uh-huh. how that works is if somebody commits a tactical foul, that's a yellow card. Right away, right? So no more Euro fouls because it's going to be the yellow card. And then if, you, if you're kind of stepping over the line on, on the, all the regular personal fouls, that's going to be a yellow card as well. So, do you kind of see where I'm going here? I see Does where you're going, sense? but I, I, I just want to empower refs to make the call. I know people worry about but that. I think, but I think this would do yeah. that. I really do. No, no, but what I'm, saying, what I'm saying about it is have the clear path foul, but the ref, it's like you know it when you see it. Um, that you know what a clear path foul looks like. You know when a guy's been grabbed on the middle of a fast break. We don't have to go to the video review and watch it a bunch of times to see if some guy's foot is behind another guy's foot. Just allow the referees to call the game. But I know that's not been well, the What if approach. you just made that, like, when you foul to stop a breakaway, you made it three shots in the ball? Mm, that's appealing. That I'm kind of into that. I'm into that because the Euro foul is annoying and it isn't a genuine basketball play. 
And it just seems like it's something that could be easily fixed. So I, Hey, the card system, it's not a bad idea. I'm not saying it's a bad idea. It's just, it, it I, I wonder if there's a simpler way to approach it. I don't saying. know what you can do though, with like having that plus normal fouls. Like, uh, I don't know. It's all, um, it's, it's a half idea because for people sure. like people really, I think would get passionate about like, anti-soccer sentiment in that it's like why doesn't nfl refs have two different color flags one for the offense and one for the defense so you know as soon as they throw yeah. it which side it's on but like they clearly like having the suspense of when you see the flag and want to know like what the result is going to be well, speaking of suspense, I think basketball is screwed up. I mean, A, because they do replay review in the first place. It's not right for the game. It's copying the NFL foolishly. But it's also that I feel like if you're going to do it, then play up the drama. I love how in the NFL, there's a flag on the ground and the camera goes to the flag. And you're like, oh, there's a, you know, the, the challenge flag I'm talking about. Uh, the NBA, it's kind of murky and, oh, this is going to be challenged. No, I need a visual representation. I need the coach to throw out his little challenge flag, have it float to the floor and be arms akimbo looking all pissy as they're going to the monitor. That's what I need in my life. Saying. Anyway. <laughs> I, I'm there with you. I, anything that gets replay out of basketball is I am for. Yes. Just well, we, well, we agree on that, John. And, and, and thank you for the call. And hey, Let's I like your solution. You, ben. Oh, close up Cuban. Okay. Well, thank you, John. Thank you for the call. And hey, I like your idea better than the uh, better than the status quo is what I will say. But yes, Mark Cuban, uh, the play in your take, Ryan. Yeah. So he said that essentially the play in's awesome, but it condensed like the TV networks don't want to go late. The TV network, as in ESPN, ABC, does not want the finals played later. The last year. It was in July, and um, people couldn't ignore it enough. And so they want it at the time that it's been. They're scared of moving it a couple weeks later into the summer when less people are watching TV. And so because of that, because of the play, and it condenses these rounds where the conference finals is every other day, and you've got Heat Celtics just looking like the Hunger Games. And so Heat says, I think you just got to get rid of the play-in because we can't have these games be terrible. Uh, do you want to give your response to that? Hmm. I'm thinking about it. How do I feel about the play-in this far into the whole situation? It seems like the NBA is not going to back off from it because it is correlated with interest rebounding now, a lot of that, as we've said, is the new counting system that spots you 15%, but I can't see them really going away from it. it it's I'm, not the play, just the play-in games in and of themselves. It's that it keeps not yeah. just the extra two teams that make it into this, but like the three or four beyond them that are vying for those spots relevant much later in the doldrums of the regular it, it, season. It They're not the just Lakers. like, you know, shutting down yeah. their good players so they don't get hurt before next year. It kept the Lakers in the A block much longer than they had any right to be um, on first take. Um, so I, I think I'm anti-playing. But I also don't think it's the worst thing, and I see the benefit of it. But I do think that there's a little bit of just spreading it too much. Like, you can't have everybody involved in potentially making the postseason. And there are already too many teams that are involved. I, I like you, just want fewer games and think that's the quick and dirty solution. And don't think that, you know, expanding it and having a midseason tournament and everything else. I almost think that they're trying to outthink what they need to do because it's unpalatable to them because they don't want to take the risk of losing uh, revenue, um, even though I think they would make it up on the back end by having a product that was uh, scarcer because the NFL has taught us that scarcity is gold. So, I mean, I know I'm not addressing all aspects of it, but that's that's my general take. Yeah, what I would do is I just shorten the regular season from 82 to 72 games. I think the optimal length for the NBA regular season would be like 50 to 60 games. Yeah. They're never going to go that low, at least not before they go to 72 first. Um, so have like an eight-year gradual 
like scaled out of the regular season from like 82 to 72. So it doesn't mess up their regional TV contracts and whatever, and figure out how to make up the revenue from the lost inventory in that time. Somebody said, I have a hard time believing that the main issue with the NBA finals last year was that it was two weeks too late. It was yeah. two months too late. Well, a month and a half. Yeah. I also, I mean, I remembered seeing it in, in Hawaii from a hotel uh, and, and thinking a bunch of other people are probably on their vacations as well, which cannot be good for, uh, you know, the overall viewership count, which matters. It's it's true. What much less people watch TV in the summer. It's, these are like facts. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just true. And so this is a time when the NBA desperately wants the numbers to be good because they're negotiating their new deal. But we are approaching the end of the hour. So hey, thanks to everybody who joined us on a, a roller coaster edition of Industry Talk. Uh, thanks to the callers. Thanks to the listeners. And uh, we will be back. We'll be back next time. Unless Ryan's got something else to plug or something we'll watch out for. Uh, no, nothing to plug. I'm Nothing to plug. Well, I have something to plug. I'm talking about how one of the most powerful agents in the NBA uh, is doing it from prison, uh, which doesn't seem to have really uh, been a pain. It's not. Oh, it's not yeah, it's not really been apparent to a lot of people, uh, even though it's verifiable. So anyway. Be on the lookout for that. That'll be an interesting article. All right. right. See everybody. Have a good one.